Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. November, I trust that you feel great this morning, having had an extra hour of sleep. You're just rejuvenated and ready to take the bull by the horns, so to speak. Amen. Genesis chapter number one. Genesis chapter number one. I want to read verse number 27, and then we'll read from Genesis chapter number two as well. Genesis one and verse number 27, the Bible states these words. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Genesis 2 and verse 20, the Bible says, And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a help meet for him. And, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Amen. This morning, I just want to teach here this morning this. God made them male and female. God made them male and and female. Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning, and I'm grateful today for another day to be here. I pray, Lord, today, God, through the explanation of your word this morning, that we could, Lord, take something into our lives that we could ponder upon. Lord, that we would be equipped with, Lord, to do battle with in our society today. I pray, Master, today we go back to your word, Lord Jesus, as God, a very, Lord, staple, God, for our lives and for the beliefs, God, in which, Lord Jesus, we uphold, Lord, in this place, Lord, and hopefully in our personal lives as well. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. God made them. Everybody say, God made them. Male and female. Male and female. We, 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 are, uh, we are so blessed today. We're so blessed today as people of God that uh, he did not leave us in, in this life without some mode or terms of instruction just beyond him speaking to us, but even he's gave us an instruction book and a manual, so to speak. Man, that we can lean upon and find uh, guidance and answers and instruction, uh, answers to some of life's questions. And the book of Genesis for in and of itself is very fundamental, very foundational to the rest of the scriptures that you and I uh, read and hopefully learn to accept and endorse in our own lives. As a matter of fact, Genesis is just quite mind-boggling whenever you consider the span of time that it actually covers. There's no other book in the Bible that spans perhaps uh, any period of time like the book of Genesis uh, spans the period of time. And so with that being said, it being the first book, the book of beginnings as we all time call it, 
It's in there that there are many, many basic building blocks that are shared from Genesis 1 to Genesis 11 in particular that's shared with us, the building blocks of life that are shared with us. Sometimes they're almost too much to process whenever you start to consider uh, creation and the forming of the universe and the planets and the stars. And if you start to think about all those individual things, it's almost too much for our minds even to process. But in the first chapter of Genesis we are not necessarily told, and I think God did this with, 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 great, with great intention. We're not necessarily told uh, all the minute details how, how the earth came to be or how uh, the heavens were created or how the light and how all these particular things. We're not given the minute details of how all these things are created. But I believe what he wanted us to walk away with uh, the concept that he wanted us to lean on concerning Genesis 1 is to understand the simple concept that he, God, did the creation. Not so much all the might do details of how it came about, but that it is tied to and tethered to God himself, that he did create, and perhaps even what he did create in the scriptures. To begin with, we find that God created, the Bible says, the heaven and the earth and then to finish up the creation week he is finishing with having created uh, male them if you will male and female as the Bible says and that's kind of interesting because we kind of look at the male and female genders they're, they're kind of a pair as we would say it but we see a lot of pairs in Genesis chapter number one that God laid out before us in the first book complementary things if you will that he laid out pairs in that verse there is the heaven and there is the earth a pair if you will there is a light and then there is darkness another pair if you will there's the sea and then there is the land the dry land a pair if you will and so he even made has himself being there as God and contrasting or somewhat of a pair with that is humanity. And then if you break humanity down a little further, it is male and it is female. And so the brilliance of our God, the all-knowing God that we serve, had creation be very much so diverse from one another. But he made unlike things to work in unity with one another, heaven and earth. Light and darkness, if you will. The sea and the land. They are unlike one another, yet they're made to work in unity with one another. He created them, uh, if you will, as pairs, as dynamic holes, which, which give to us life and beauty through their interaction, and their relationship with one another. Uh, a, a cry for years now in modern day society has been the cry of diversity that we need as Americans to diversify or there needs to be a, a concept, an idea of diversity. As a matter of fact, I would say modern day culture for the most part prides itself uh, with the task of diversity in America and even beyond America. But what is peculiar to me and I think would be to all of us this morning is this. It's very odd that at the same time they make cries for diversity that they have also worked against it and almost destroyed it by the very obvious thing that God did in the beginning, making them male and female. God created the diversity on the very first page of your Bible. 
of male and female, and that is the heralding cry today that we need more of it, yet they're trying to destroy the very diversity that God created. From the very first page of your Bibles this morning, and with that there comes the trying to confuse the distinctions of the male and the female sexes today. According to modern day society, from my understanding of what I have read, they say that maleness and femaleness is nothing more but a result of social conditioning, meaning that a male has masculinity because he's learned that from his culture. Or a female has femininity because she has learned that from the household that she had grown up in. Or she has learned that from her culture or from the, 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 the land that she has grown up in. And so they blame the traits of being a male and the traits of being a female. It's all because of the social climate that they are in. That they've been programmed by their mother and by their father. Programmed by the environment in which they were brought up in. Meaning that they were almost like male or female matters not, they say. Whenever they were born, they were a clean slate that's not yet been written upon. And it's the writing of parents and the writing of society and culture then that deems them with their masculinity or their femininity or that they're just like a piece of clay that's been untouched. But through time and society and through mom and dad and culture, they are just bent and, and, and swayed one way or another. And that's how they become come then really truly male or female masculine or feminine is everybody doing okay but as Christians today we support the first page of our Bibles as Christians today we support the first page of our Bible when he said male and female created he he being God them that it was God's perfect plan as expressed in creation that humanity should be divided into separate Genders of male and female, but complementary to one another. Amen. Amen. It's not, it wasn't. Years ago, back during the 1970s, there was a movement that went through called the feminist movement. And it was not politically correct during that time frame of the feminist movement of the 1970s to even begin to suggest that gender differences went beyond a few anatomic details that we are quite aware of between male and female but as time goes on and studies have even went on even in advanced science and even in what's known as neuroscience they've delivered round and round of breakthroughs concluding that men and women were indeed different i just thought i'd tell you that this morning in case anybody was wondering they're indeed different not just in their physiology but in their brain function their communication style, their hormone pattern. And they say all of this began not after birth, but before birth, while they were still yet in the uterus, in utero. Now, some of you all know some of the changes. If you're married and been married anybody long enough, you're going to stand here with me today and say there is some differences. <laughs> Between me and my wife or me and my husband, there are some differences. Male and females, get this now, we're not talking about a clean slate that you begin to ride upon. We're not talking about a piece of clay you begin to mold and bend. We're talking about male and female and the differences of them start in the uterus, start in utero. Male and females are different from the very moment of conception. And that shows itself in every system of the body. And I'm not here to bore you, but to educate us today. The human genome, which has 23 pairs of chromosomes, 
22 of these are the same both for men and for women. Only in the 23rd pair is there any difference. And in that pair, women have two X chromosomes while men have one X chromosome and one Y chromosome. But that little Y chromosome is enough that's contained within it that as that babe begins to form within the womb, there is a switch that's turned on by that Y chromosome that early in the growth of the womb, genetically, there's already begun to be generated the differences of that boy from what it would have been if it had been a girl. And though it may seem that it's very minuscule, difference it ends up being a huge difference lived out in the fullness of their life how they think how how they act what they do what they're capable of doing starts all the way back before they ever exit the womb that was not the device or the design of a man that was the design and the devisement of a god who made them male and female the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 7, Peter is speaking here. He has the illustration concerning marriage and concerning males and females involved in marriage. And he makes a plea. He says, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, speaking of their wife, giving honor unto the wife as unto, everybody say, the weaker vessel. The weaker vessel. As being heirs together of the grace of God, that your prayers may be not hindered. That your prayers may be not hindered hindered the weaker vessel he said just the weaker vessel and, and, and it means just as it says the weaker the weaker in the sense of even your your strength the weaker vessel now don't get me you say well I've seen some men that could whip some boys well that's true but considering all things to be equal common knowledge and experience has revealed that men are usually stronger physically than women amen and some of the strength advantages that men hold over women, sometimes they say they'll relate to the fact that, you know, well, women usually don't participate in the activities and exercise the same muscle groups, and so that's the reason why that's the case. However, studies have been done that when men and women, men and women that participate in the identical exercises over time, amen, have, have the level of physical, that level of physical differences between them and their strength does seem to diminish somewhat, but it doesn't disappear completely. They say that when a man and a woman are the same height, same weight, have the same exercise regimen and nutrition habits, that the man, regardless of the, all those things are the same, the man will tend to have about 20% more lifting strength, speed, and endurance. Same height, weight, Body type, diet, exercise, but still, there's about a 20% more for the man than there is for the woman. And they say then that ladies, and this is, no, this is not a disregard, ladies. They say then ladies are more susceptible to overuse of a certain body part in injuries, as stress, and fractures where a man with the same degree of strenuous work will not have. Because I'm not scratching my head and saying, well, you know what, this is horrible. No. It's exactly as God said it was. Peter said, hey, they are the weaker vessel. And that's the reason why God made it then that a man and a woman would be joined together so that the weakness of the woman would be compensated by the strength. The strength of the man. Everybody say, that's okay. There's other differences. 
Amen. These are typical. They're not necessarily exclusive, but they're typical, not exclusive. So don't get offended. If this isn't you and you're a little backwards or different, that's okay. But understand this. Mostly, typically, men communicate in order to make a point. Women communicate in order to make a friend. Well, maybe there's a good reason why we're having just fellowship tonight. I don't know. Men see the home as a place of refuge and tranquility. I don't know how many times it's like, you know, they've been working all day, they get home, and it's like the kingdom, and it's just like, <sighs> But women see the home as an extension of themselves, their place in society. Sometimes it defines even them. And if this is not you, I'm just saying typically, all right? Men link romance, romantic love and, and warmth with warmth and pleasure. Women link romantic love with self-esteem. I'm just saying typically. Men are primarily task and goal oriented. There's a go. Uh, go out and conquer, you know. Go out and take control of it. Do it. Women are primarily people oriented. So while we're searching for goals, they're looking for somebody. They're people oriented. Men seek fulfillment through achievement. Man, they feel like they've really accomplished something because of the job they have or the hobbies that they are involved with. Look, look, just this morning, Mike Penrod was showing people his deer. Well, that's typical of a man. A hobby. Look what I got. Amen. Look at what I got and so on and so forth. But women seek fulfillment through others. They, want, they seek fulfillment through others of what the thoughts of their children of concerning them, what their husband ideas concerning them, so on and so forth. Men are competitive. It is. We could say right now, I need whoever man that can give me a gallon of milk from IGA and it would be chaos around here. Because men are competitive, but women are more eager to cooperate. Men build, project their public image, but women adopt their public image. Men identify themselves with what they do. I'm a this, I'm a that, or I'm the other. Women identify themselves with what others think of them. Oh, yeah. Do you think this looks all right? Do you think this looks okay? Because we're about ready to go such and such, and I just don't. Do these shoes match this dress? Does this pin, does that all, does it all go together? Does it all go together? Hey, I was reared with four of them. I'm married to one now, so don't even start talking to me. I got a doctorate in this thing. Identify themselves by what other people think. But for them, you know, you get in a group. I won't forget that it was the common question. I went with my wife to her uh, uh, high school reunion this, this, this past year, I guess it was. And we went there. You know what the question that every guy asked the other guy, the other husband? What do you do? They didn't say anything about my khaki pants. You know what they, what do you do? Yeah, they're wanting to know, are you a plumber? Are you a doctor? Are you a lawyer? Are you a pastor? What, what, what do you, why? Because that's the way that we identify ourselves, by what we do. Men are troubled by feelings of inadequacy. They'll never admit it, but they are. Feeling that they're not good enough or not performing well enough. But women are troubled by feelings of loneliness. Men withdraw when facing overwhelming problems. 
problem comes, don't talk to me. Just let me get over here in the corner by myself and I'll figure it out because I'm goal-oriented and I can do this. Women, on the other hand, they're reaching out to other people. Yeah, I'm really going through a struggle right now. Girlfriend. And they want somebody to jump in on the bandwagon, you know, with them. Men seek an answer. Women seek a process. Men and women, everybody say, are different. They're different. They're very much so equal in value. God created them both, equal in dignity. He created them both. And for that matter, both have equal access to God. Male and female, they both had equal access to God. But they're very much so complementary in their role in life, complementary in the row, perhaps even in the home. God made both men and women in his image and after his likeness. Here's a problem. Modern day society, folks, oh, modern day society. When the Bible says in verse 27 that God created man in his own image, that word man there can be used in, in the Hebrew, it can be used to reference a single man or mankind, humanity altogether. Whenever we're speaking that God created man in his own image, it's saying then that God created humanity or God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God created he humanity, male and female created he them. And so whenever he breaks down the verse a little further more by the meaning of what that man meant, he says male and female. And so we understand all of mankind, all of humanity, whether they be male or whether they be female, was made in the image and the likeness of God. Made in the image and likeness of God. It wasn't as today's society tries to impose, and I'm just pulling back the cover here so we understand this. It's not like modern day society tried to impose that the first man, the Bible says that God created man in his own image. And in the image of God created he, him. And when it comes to male and female created he, them, modern day society then wants to impose that the first man was androgynous, which basically means both male and female. Yeah, this is modern day society. That the first man then was male and female. He was androgynous. He has having both the characteristics of a man and of a woman without any clarity, without really knowing one way or another. The first man was created male and female, androgynous. It was both of them. But notice the scripture. It says male and female created he them. Not created he, him. He said that to begin with. Created he, him, speaking of humanity, speaking of mankind. And then he broke it down a little further, under, given understanding to that humanity being both male and female. He created them. Not him, again, did he emphasize, but them. Reading two separate individuals, two separate persons. So God created all of humanity in his own image. In the image of God created he humanity. Male and female created he them. Everybody say amen. amen. For that matter, the Bible says whenever Adam uh, was, was created and that the Lord God came and seen that he was alone and that it was not good, the Bible says that he went and took one of the ribs of Adam and he created 
Eve. He created the woman. He created the female. As a matter of fact, in the very last verse that I read to you today speaks about how she should be called woman because she was taken out of man. So kind of on a little light note right here because I don't want it, it feels like it's getting a little stiff around here. On a light note, whenever God created woman, he took all of the woman out of man. That's just, that's just a joke, okay? <laughs> I'm not endorsing that there was one in him to begin with. But he took the rib of man and he created it. Woman. Amen. Someone say amen. amen. And so the first time, the first time that God judged something in creation, he judged it to be not good. And the thing that he was referring to in Genesis 2, 18 was said that it was not good that man should be alone. Not good that man should be alone. And God purposed something then that he kind of informed us and let us in on. He said it's not good for man to be alone, so we got, if that's not good to God, God's going to do something about it. He's going to fix it. And with that being said, he said, I will make him a help meet for him. I will make a help meet for him. And so God's going to do just that. The word help meet means that he will make, the, 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 the actual Hebrew means he will make someone suitable for him, complementary to him. Amen. They will be the same. They will be the same in that even as Adam said, she is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. They're just in, there's just enough sameness there to create, if you will, a compatibility with one another. But there'll be just enough difference there to cause a balance to one another. He says, well, I'm, I'm going to make a helpmeet, somebody that's suitable and compatible to him. And when he did that, here's Adam naming the animals as they're coming before him. But evidently through the process of naming of even the animal kingdom, those of the animal kingdom and of the fowl and of the sea, there was nothing that was suitable for Adam. There was no companion suitable for Adam. They're not the same as he is. They are not human. Sameness means they are not human. They're not of the human race. They are not humanity. This is the animal kingdom. This is those that are in the air and this is those of the sea. We got to find something that's the same meaning of the, the human race that is human, that is part of mankind. And so they're not suitable to him. So he, he was going to create then a suitable helper for Adam. And when God created this suitable helper for Adam, it was woman. It was a female. It was the one who would be called Eve, who the Bible says this man Adam and Eve would become one flesh. God says then here, it's not good for him to be alone, but I'm going to create something that's suitable and compatible to him. And the climax of the suitableness and the climax of the compatibility for this man is a woman because they have the ability of becoming one. They have the ability of becoming one flesh. I've said this before, folks, but this is not rocket science, but just stay with me here for a moment. Anybody that goes out to Rule King and they have a female, what we call female, end of a piece of PVC, and you're trying to connect the two together, you don't get another female piece of PVC and get the job accomplished. 
Hear me? You look for a male piece of PVC because they're suitable for one another and compatible and they fit. There's other things besides PVC that we talk about out there. You can get outlets. People tell us you got the male or the female in. Huh? You got the male or the female in. You go and try to put two females together. Don't work. No electricity. Mm-hmm. Amen. But it takes both a male and a female. I'm not here to embarrass anybody, but I'm here to say there is enough boldness going on, but there needs to be boldness in the church. He made them male and he made them female because they are suitable to one another. And that the climax of this relationship is that they can become one flesh. Everybody say one flesh. Here's the thing, because if you look back at Genesis chapter 1, God created them male and female, if you look at verse 28, the Bible says that God blessed them. He blessed this male and female. And if you continue reading, it tells you how he blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. So God created them and then God blessed them to be fruitful and to multiply and to replenish the earth. Amen. Listen. So to, to, to do otherwise than to be able to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth is basically looking God in the face and saying your blessing wasn't good enough. For that first male and female, God, your blessing wasn't good enough if you cannot accomplish the fruitful, the multiply, and the replenish, meaning in a real, literal way. Making a mockery of God's blessing. But he made them male and female, and he also blessed them as male and female for being fruitful, multiplying, and replenishing the earth. Someone say amen. Is everybody doing okay? Here's something that for us to ponder this morning. There has been a lot of talk throughout the past decade over the situation of fatherless homes. Fathers abandoning their role and responsibility of being dad or father in the home. Matter of fact, a lot of society has frowned upon that very much so. Not just fatherless homes, even motherless homes. Not having that side or that aspect of the family in order to function and help in the rearing and the raising of children. It's been greatly frowned upon. Here, pastor today, because of not too long ago, sanctions of our Supreme Court. Make an allowance for males and males and females and females. They're getting a government sanction to perpetuate fatherless and motherless. Homes. Well, I know that this is just a little bit just too sticky for anybody to say anything, isn't it? Amen. The Bible speaks to us concerning that woman that was brought to Adam 
Evidently, her companionship was more than that of an animal, but it was less than that of God. She was unique in that she was equal to Adam and being bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, but also different enough that they could become one. Different enough that they could become one. With the prime, with the prime idea of God in that oneness that they would be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and able to do that not because of where they're similar, because of where they were different. Amen. Bible even speaks of it in New Testament scripture of Titus chapter number two and verse number five. Titus number two and verse number five. It speaks about, there's a Greek word there that's translated that the women are, are being keepers at home, being, being competent, if you will, managers of the household. And the Bible in, in, in Titus two speaks of how this is one of the skills of the older women that the older women should take the younger women under their wings so that the word, the Bible says, so that the word of God be not blasphemed, so that they teach them and instruct them to be keepers of home. You said, but there shouldn't be anybody working outside of the home. I'm not saying that. I know modern day society uh, because of finances almost demands that man and woman act and work outside of the home. But God was just saying, hey, it is the responsibility of the elderly women to teach them how to be homekeepers and homemakers and how to be very competent managers of the home. And he also told us then as men, told us as men in Titus 2 and 4, he taught us also to, to, that, that these, rather the ladies should love their husbands and that they should love their children and that they should care for them. Just all a part of this keeper of the home thing. When we understand this if God created male and female you know he also brought some job responsibilities in that creative book as well before Eve was ever in the picture God said Adam I'm going to put you in the garden I want you to dress it and I want you to keep it I want you to work the garden I want you to protect it by and large men are known as the dressers and the protectors not just of the home but of their wives and of their children at least we should be that's not something that we just had a lottery over after we were born. They said, this is what man should do. This is what God said man should do. So I'd say amen. And he said, I'm going to find a help me, somebody that's suitable for the man, a helper, somebody that can help around and, and equip the man in the home with everything. He gave that to Eve. Amen. It's not something. It's not something a bunch of psychologists got together and got, no. This is the mind of God. Someone say the mind of God. So in the process of trying to get gender equality, it's been very confused for gender uniformity today. Someone say amen. What's the first question whenever someone's having a baby? When's the last time you heard, is it a male? She's not what they ask, is it? Is it a boy or is it a girl? You usually don't ask, is it a male or is it a female? You usually ask, is it a boy or is it a girl? Because we're not so much looking for the child's sex as we are their identity because we know, oh, you got a boy, whoo, you got a long road ahead of you. Why? Because there's characteristic traits you already equalize with a boy. There are traits that you already equalize with a boy if it's a girl, you know. There's things that you already equating with a girl. Why? Because there are distinctions. There are distinctions. Now, here's the problem. 
So let's everybody, let, let modern day society have their way and let them blur the lines of masculinity and femininity. Let them blur the lines. Let them get exactly what they're asking for. All right? Let, let heterosexuality become the minority and let the other become the majority. And I'll tell you the outcome. Extinction. And a greater breakdown of the home and family than ever. Because if they're going to have a kid, they're going to have to have it outside of the relationship that supposedly they love so much. Someone say amen. As a matter of fact... One man who was of the city, it was the University of New York. He had studied more than 2,000 cultures and world history. And he said, in the thousands of years of human history and thousands of different human cultures that have existed in human history, he said, only a few have managed to blur masculinity and femininity. He said, as a matter of fact, every single one of them is extinct. He said, because you cannot have one unisex society and have it survive for more than a few years. God created them, male and female. Amen. God did it. He even told us, if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19, the Bible states this. Disciples would come, they were, they were asking, there were some that were asking some questions. The Bible says in Matthew 19, verse number four, and he answered and said to them, have you not read that which, that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this cause, for what cause? For the cause of that being a male and a female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. And they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God have joined together, let not man put asunder. He said, for this cause. What's the cause? That there's a distinct difference of a male and a female that God says for this cause shall they come together and be made one. Not the flip side. Not because they're so much alike. Well, since they're so much alike, let them come together so they know. But because of the maleness and the femaleness, the distinctiveness, equal maybe in being humanity, but different atomically, brains, speech, communication, different enough that they should come together and be one. Everyone say balance. balance. It brings balance within our lives. It brings balance within our homes. It brings balance within our families. Amen. God sanctioned that, that great institution of marriage for male and female. That's the way he said. They shall become one. Who? That male and that female shall become one flesh. God has put that together. God has put that together. No man shall put asunder. God has created that. Everybody doing okay? I'll hold you just for a little while longer. I don't want your tongue hanging out the side of your mouth by the time I'm done. Thomas Jefferson's Declaration of Independence made an appeal to the laws of nature and of nature's God. Our Declaration of Independence. Laws of nature 
and nature's God. And if that is the case, then the law of nature is the law of nature that I've been talking to you about on the first page of your Bible this morning. If our independence is founded upon the law of nature and of nature's God, then we must go back to the beginning and find what this independence, what the premise is. And the premise that I've been trying to illustrate in our minds this morning is that God created them, male and female. Now listen to me. Here's a great cry today. And that is not allowing us to mix and muddle up that male-female thing whenever it comes to marriage is an attack against our rights. Our rights, they claim, is a private thing. And there's other things under attack too concerning your gun ownership, so on and so forth. But your private rights, because it's a private right, then you should be able to do what you want to do. I should be able to be who I want to be because that's my private right. But the whole dynamic of that switches whenever people want to engage in marriage. Listen to me. Because marriage isn't a private life, private right. Marriage is a public institution. Are you hearing me? It's not a private right. It's a public institution. Because it's the way in which society is propagated. Amen. That's through the rearing of families, thus societies, thus nations, thus countries. Through the public institution of marriage. And so they're saying, you're infringing on my right. But I'm not trying to get real political this morning. And we can in the pool, but I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. But I can't talk about issues. Mm-hmm. I have a right to talk about issues. Any individual, don't matter who you are, what you say your gender is, if you're cross-gendered, if you're bisexual, doesn't matter who you are. You all have the same right to marriage as I do, just within the context of the definition of one man and one woman. God made them male and female. We got to understand today, I don't know how I got all here, but it's here. Our states do not create marriage. Our states only recognize marriage. There's no state that can create marriage. It can only recognize a marriage. For that matter, I don't think there's only but one individual that can create a marriage. And it's not even a licensed minister. I'm glad we're taking Sunday night off. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. So when we consider then the marriage is a public institution, it's a public institution because it facilitates the union of men and women in reproducing the human race. That's the reason why it's a public subject matter. It's a public institution because it propagates the human race. We want people with allowances that say, well, you're not helping my rights, which is something private, to do something that's public that's not going to fulfill what it was meant to do. Someone say amen. Amen. There's a lot that's based upon this maleness and femaleness, namely reproduction. Secondly, survival as a total outcome. 
And think of marriage. God, God is so, I know it goes without saying, he's so intelligent. Because with the propensity that man has, the propensity that man has from the womb, being a wild hare, Josh Johnson, the institution of marriage, bringing him together with a woman, curtails some of that wild hairness. Oh, yeah. And whenever marriages don't work, it's when it isn't happening. I've seen a lot of people grow up when they got married. How in the world did that happen? Because they got married. God had someone that was suitable and complimentary to them that was able to help them in that process. So has a sense of taming the men, if you will, to a certain degree. And yet at the same time, because of this union that God says male and female, he then brings the protection that's needed for the weaker. Bringing the male together with the female, he can, uh, he can bring the protection that she needs and any children from their offspring that need, but she can also bring the balance of getting him where he needs to be on stable ground. Through the male and the female. So with that, it, it, then you have something that protects the children and protects the family. Hopefully, hopefully uh, propagates a stable home. Man's going to work on behalf of that mother and those children. Amen. Whenever we start to erase certain lines of distinction at any level, we're opening up for greater lines of distinction to be erased. Okay? Society, by and large... I got a time frame. I'm supposed to be quitting right now, okay? By and large, long-held distinctions, when you start to erase those, see, because here's the thing. If you say it's okay now to erase those, the next question is, when is it not all right? If you can go that far, then how far is too far? Huh? How far is too far? That doesn't just apply to side. That applies really good to church aspects as well. You know, we're kind of like the man that came to the Lord and said, uh, Lord, I've kept all these commandments from my childhood up. Said, well, you know, what lack I? What he was wanting to know is you just tell me the exact things, I'll do the exact things and no more. Just tell me the requirement, I'll meet the requirement, we'll be good. Well, that is not a sincere heart. A sincere heart says, I'll meet the requirements and I'll go above and beyond too because I'm being wooed by a spirit of grace. So they start blurring the lines. And when you blur the lines, then there start to happen this gender confusion. And I'm not, this, is, this is not an attack against anything. But over time, in modern day in society, in the history of society, there were long-held distinctions in apparel. Just listen to me. Seemed very innocent. Very innocent in comparison to some of the more radical challenges that we have today. Is everybody okay? Just see how things went. Whenever the concept of women's slacks entered the picture, it would have never gained popularity in the 1930s if it had not been preceded in the 19th century by suffragettes who wore their husband's suits. 
And in the 1920s, there were people who were called flappers. You can look it up in your history. They were called flappers. And what these women did, they bound their chest and they bobbed their hair to appear more fashionably boyish. Now, let's stop for a moment and do a real little quick lesson. If there's no differences between the male and the female, why would you change your appearance? Why would you alter appearance to assume more one way or the other if there is no distinction? Well, there's nothing different. Evidently, because they want to show that there's that difference that happened then for them and they're no longer what they once were. I have people, I know people, I'm close to love them to death. Love them to death. I know, you know, I know people, I know, I know people that have walked down the road of, of in this gender confusion type thing. And so they're doing things to their bodies or they are inhibiting things that their bodies naturally are. Why? Because they want to draw the line of distinction. Amen. Want to draw the line of distinction. And so whenever they start even tampering with these long established gender differences, you know what that does? Make it easier for the next change. Well, stand with me. God made them male and female. Thank you, Jesus. So what that comes down to is this, my old little phraseology. People are people and issues are issues. You love people and you deal with issues people that may be trapped in some of these things they're people that need the love of God they need the spirit of the Lord they need the baptism of the Holy Ghost but there is still very real issues that needs to be contended with the alcoholic comes in we love the alcoholic but the issue of alcoholism still needs to be contended with the drug abuser we love the drug abuser but the drug abuse still needs to be contended with Here's where the difference of society, and I know I'm going over, I'm so sorry, everybody, whoever. Here's the problem. We're more, more, more ready to take care of the alcoholic and the drug addict because they are tangible things. You hear me? They're tangible things you can put a finger on and, and actually see a separation. But when we come to the spirit, when we come to the spirit of homosexuality, it's not necessarily a tangible aspect you can put your finger on, but it is spiritual. And so therein lies the problem, I think, with the church society at large, not being able to handle it because they can't just per se put their hand on it because it's something that's spiritual. And let me tell you, a spiritual problem is going to take a spiritual solution. God made them male and female. Hallelujah. If we can just bow our heads in this place right now. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.